you are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When former NFL executives share their opinions on the NFL draft, you listen and you learn a lot along the way. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today, we'll listen in on some NFL draft analysis from former general manager Mark Dominic and former vice president of player personnel Gil Brandt, who participated in a conference call on Tuesday to share their thoughts on this upcoming draft. They didn't do a lot of Bears-specific talk, but they went through some different prospects and some different aspects of the draft that will directly affect how the Chicago Bears conduct their business next week. Every year, Sirius XM makes their NFL radio analysts available for a conference call, and they held that on Tuesday with former Dallas Cowboys VP of Player Personnel Gil Brandt, who is now headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, along with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager Mark Dominic. And it was an opportunity for members of the media, including myself, to ask some questions of two guys who have really done it for a long time, and they really shared some great wisdom both about some of their scouting of these prospects but also a little more about the draft process and how this year's draft may be affected by all of the COVID-19 shutdowns and interesting world we're living in nowadays. So, for example, Mark Dominic in particular pointed out how the lack of in-person visits and workouts and even pro days being canceled for college prospects across the country could have a particularly big effect on the players with injuries. You're going to miss not having that medical recheck, that, that's probably the biggest one. The guys that got injured at the combine or couldn't finish at the combine, uh, that medical recheck is, is really important just to kind of see how, how they're healing. But you've got you to remind yourself that hamstrings are hamstrings, and more than likely there was nothing more significant than that. I feel bad for the guys that I uh, didn't have the pro day. I've told this story before, but uh, back in 2009, uh, I was watching tape, and we went to pro day at Western Michigan due to Lewis Delmich, the second-round safety that Detroit took. And uh, at the pro day, this corner ran, four, I think, four four one. He vertical 38 or 39. He broad jumped 10-plus. Short shuttle's like four oh seven or. And I asked my director player, the personnel at the time, Ben Sticky, and he's like, uh, it's a guy named DJ Biggers. And so we watched tape, and I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. We should get him on the board. He, he, he was nowhere in the world of vicinity of being drafted for us. And then we got to bring him in on a 30 visit because I was thinking about taking him in the fifth round because I liked the tape so much. And I brought him in on a 30 visit as one of the last day, which I tried to do. And I asked DJ, like, how many teams have brought you in on a 30 visit? And he's like, uh, one other team. And I'm like, great, I'm going to give this kid a seven because I knew that no one had medical information on him too. So I ended up saying that is that if it wasn't for a pro day in the 30 visit, I don't know if we would have ever found an EJ Bigger who went on to you know, play eight years in the league and start like six. And I feel bad for those players. And I'm hoping the league, maybe when we get this thing all settled, has another, some type of, like we used to do a scout camp to give this group of class, the 2020 class, a chance to find somewhere to go work out to be able to find that EJ Bigger is going to give them another shot. So I do think it's going to be affected that way. 
Again, that's former Buccaneers general manager Mark Dominic talking about how the lack of pro days and team workouts is going to prevent some of the follow-up medical checks for players, whether they were injured already during the offseason or pulled up a little bit during the combine and couldn't finish their workouts, that already they won't have an opportunity to have more measurables about those prospects. But even if we look at some guys at particular positions of need for the Chicago Bears, it's a long list of guys that, again, either already had injuries or couldn't finish their workouts at the Combine. You know, you look at the offensive line, Robert Hunt from Louisiana, Damian Lewis from LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, Ben Bradison from Michigan, even Tyler Biotish, the center from Wisconsin, hasn't really been able to work out at all after having off-season surgery, and now teams not really getting the opportunity to, to have their doctors actually check in. I mean, you can have a video chat with a player and say, hey, How's it going? And the player can tell you, oh, yeah, I got it checked out with my doctor. But teams really only like to have a, a medical check that they can verify that they will trust 100%. Even on the defensive side of the ball, some other prospects with some injuries in the combine and, and not finishing their workouts. Cornerback Damon Arnett from Ohio State, uh, Amik Robertson from Los Angeles or Louisiana Tech, excuse me, Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State, Bryce Hall, Virginia, all guys that weren't able to do all of their combine workouts, and even safety Ashton Davis from Cal. I mean, it's just like a quick list of, you know, just glancing at the prospects that I know couldn't conduct all of their combine workouts and that right there is a more than a dozen prospects all sort of in that you know roughly in that day two range where the bears are picking at positions of need so i think mark dominic's got a good point there about how our team's going to handle some of these potential other risks and different injuries have different levels of concerns surely it's not a blanket statement across the board but it is going to make the draft process that much less sure for ryan pace and every general manager that's why I appreciate the general manager perspective on how this prospect is going to go. And we'll hear more from Mark Dominic and former vice president of player personnel, Gil Brandt, next on Locked on Bears. Gil and Mark's perspective on the draft prospect is so valuable because they've actually done it and been through it many years in NFL organizations. But they're also professional scouts who did that for many years in NFL organizations and so it's it's always interesting to sort of hear their perspectives sometimes in agreement sometimes differing about how they're evaluating these prospects in the upcoming draft and fortunately they addressed the tight end position and sort of where the depth lies in this class and how they sort of separate some of the prospects that maybe they like more than others and maybe they have more questions about than you might hear from the average draft analyst on Twitter. So the question they answer here was originally asking about Thaddeus Moss, the son of Randy Moss, who played tight end at LSU this past season. But Gil Brandt picks it up and starts talking about Moss and then goes into some of his other favorite prospects in this tight end class. It just kind of goes through the tight end class as a whole. And then when Gil wraps up his answer, Mark Dominic jumps in as well and shares his perspectives on sort of where they agree and where they differ. Well, let me let me say this about Moss, who's... Uh the son of Randy Moss. Uh, he, he is a checkered player, and by that I mean I think he's gone to like 14 different high schools. Uh, he, he originally was a fullback. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't played much except for this year when he had 14 starts and I guess 40 catches uh, at LSU. Uh, he was originally uh, went to North Carolina State and, and I think played running back or fullback there. Uh, the one thing that worries me about Moss is that he's had two operations on his foot, on that Liz Frank, I think they call it. 
uh, and that worries me a little bit. Uh, so consequently, I probably don't have him rated as high as somebody does. I took a big flyer on the Missouri tight end, and it's too too hard for me to pronounce his, his last name, uh, but I took a big flyer on him simply because in the last two years, he's had more uh, more touchdown catches uh, than anybody else in football. Uh, he's a, a guy that's got everything going for him, height, speed, uh, and we just aren't sure uh, if he's a complete player. And by that, I mean, will he block and will he play all hard all the time? But I've got him probably way too high. He's my 39th ranked player because I feel if you hit on this guy, he has a chance to be really good. Yeah, I, I look at this um, this end class, and I think it's, it's really good for, I'd say, Five guys in the second round, you're going to see them pull off really fast, and maybe six, and then you're going to see a, a drop at the same spot where I think it might go a round or two in the third, or maybe even through the fourth, where you don't see somebody come off the board. So I think if you were looking for a tight end, you know your sweet spot's going to be round two, and I think you're going to see the Coles and the Bryant and the Hopkins and the Troutmans. I think you know the Harrison Bryant. I think you're going to see all those guys, possibly Albert as well. These are tight ends. Thaddeus Moss, um, because of his background not just character-wise, but injury and not being able to work out and the frustration he had at the combine and everything, uh, it's certainly going to affect his draft status. I think a guy that I would have thought had a chance for third, third round, maybe fourth round, depending on how he runs, probably going to be now. I think really feels like a fifth-round pick. And, you know, I think you're open across the board to any club that could take him, whether it's New England, uh, whether it's Atlanta. I mean, I just I think he opens up where the risk versus reward is strong enough when you start getting the fifth or sixth round that you take a chance here. Usually it's fourth round is where a lot of teams' mindset is, is that you get past round three and you're like, this guy needs to do everything he can to be a starter. Fourth round, you're like, I hope he can be a starter. That is has traits to say, I hope he can be a starter. But due to medical and some of the character that people are concerned about, I think fifth round seems like a, a spot. But I, at that point, I, I, I could put him just about any club in the National Football League. It's reassuring to hear Mark Dominic kind of confirm what we suspected about this tight end class, that there's like five or six guys there right in that second round range, and then there's a pretty big drop-off where it's uh, not only a a deficiency in talent, but probably a deficiency in when we're going to see the next guys picked. So from a Chicago Bears perspective, it feels like if you want to get an instant impact day one type contributor in this Bears tight end room, you're going to have to do it with one of those two second-round picks. Or maybe, maybe you can trade down in the second round and still land one, but that's going to be the, it's going to have to be the round because the Bears won't pick again until the fifth. And by then, like Mark was saying, you get to some of these guys that can have a little bit more red flags or a little bit less of a floor, a little bit lower of a ceiling, and just you know much less sure thing of a pick and much more of a potential risk and flyer on a guy even like like Thaddeus Moss seems like kind of a boomer bust guy there like they talked about I hadn't realized how many different schools he had been through and I hadn't realized the injuries playing a a role in sort of his evaluation too so there's a a real possibility there that the Bears could you know have a potential type sleeper I mean the talent is certainly there and it, it goes far beyond just his last name and, and who his father was. I mean, he's a guy at six foot one, 250 pounds. You know, he moves, he's just under six two. I should give him credit for the seventh eighths of an inch. You know, he's, he's got enough athletic ability to be able to move well, but he's not like an elite athlete and he can, he can get in, you know, make some 
pretty nice catches and get up in the air and make the difficult ones look a little easier. You know, not a lot of drop passes and can make some plays after the catch as well. And, and not a bad blocker either, but you know, you're not totally sure how high the ceiling is from an athletic standpoint. He may always just sort of be a, a possession type tight end, but that could still be very valuable in the fifth or sixth round if he was going to last that long. You, you know, you think if the injuries thing can be something he's through and, and the, the moving around of schools, if that's a maturity issue or some other outside influence in his life that's no longer going to affect him once he's in the NFL. He can't just change teams in the NFL. You know, you can sort of work through some of these scenarios with the Bears have enough information to make an informed pick on somebody like Thaddeus Moss, who, of course, would be really fun to have Randy Moss in some way, shape, or form connected to this Bears organization. But tight end was not the only Bears position of need that we heard some analysis from Gil Brandt about. Up next on the podcast, we'll hear from the former NFL executives on how the middle rounds of the cornerback draft class could play out and how this coronavirus shutdown situation might affect the undrafted rookie for agent market. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Bears. We've already gone through some of the top cornerback prospects that could be available for the Bears there in the second round. But I was glad to hear Gilbrandt in particular go through some of the mid-round cornerback prospects that have sort of caught his eye. Maybe not the guys that'll be there right or that you'll want to take right in the second round when the Bears pick, but if they were to trade down into the third or fourth, or even if some of these guys were able to linger all the way to the fifth, or if the Bears moved up from the fifth round pick, you know, sort of in that range, there's still some options that he likes. I mean, it's not like you're necessarily grabbing an instant day one starter, but if you feel confident enough in Artie Burns and Kevin Tolliver and feel like a later round pick could just be a nice addition to the competition there. Gill's got a couple guys that he likes. There are some good corners there in, in the middle rounds of the draft. I think you talk about guys like, uh, and I probably got him too low, is the uh, is Noah, however you pronounce his last name, the corner from uh, Auburn, uh, Troy Pride, uh, who's a really fast guy from Notre Dame. Uh, I think that uh, we, we talk about those kind of corners. And I, I think that they're, they're really pretty good. I, I think that the corner that's uh, got everybody a little bit confused, and I think that he's, he's, he's the quarter, corner from uh, uh, from uh, Clemson. I think he's really, as people have, have looked at him, he's a guy that's really, really come up the charts is what he has. The Clemson cornerback that he couldn't remember the name of was A.J. Terrell, a guy we talked a little bit about, and there's some different valuations on him in terms of where people think he should go in the draft so he's got a little bit of a mechanical development from a a physical standpoint you know he's not the most he's not the fastest and he's not the most fluid you know and sometimes in terms of false steps and knowing when to flip his hips and stay with receivers downfield that's sort of where he struggles in terms of you know taking on quality route runners one-on-one in coverage but he's got the body of an NFL cornerback. He's physical, he's tough, and he likes to get up in guys' bodies. The problem is just if he misses on the press or just isn't able to kind of physically bump a guy off his route, sometimes that's where he gets into trouble. But NFL evaluators like that physicality at the position and feel like coming out of that Clemson defense and a guy that, you know, you, you see that ex, that steady growth from season to season and, and had some... Um, some pretty solid background as a multi-sport athlete as well. He was a track guy, but just didn't light up the combine. It wasn't overly slow, but just not elite 
in terms of his his speed. I mean, he ran a four four two. It's not bad at all. It's just it, maybe there's not quite as much ceiling in that regard. But that's the type of guy where the tools are are there to the point where teams might fall in love with him, and he could rise up more into that second round range, even if some evaluators might have him more in these mid rounds. And then, of course, the Auburn cornerback whose name Gill was uh, struggling to pronounce as. Everyone does. It's the other potential Iggy we talked about. Noah Igbenogany from Auburn, 5'10", 198 pounds. A player who's maybe a little bit more athlete than cornerback, but you know, great feet. Again, sort of the opposite of Terrell in that regard, that he can move his feet quickly and flip his hips and really move naturally and smoothly on the field, but not quite as refined in terms of you know, coverage skills and the same kind of things of being physical and being able to read the routes that receivers are running against him and sometimes can uh, try and get physical but then miss or time it wrong. It's just he's sort of still putting it all together from, I don't want to say fully the mental side of the game, but just really getting that veteran savvy understanding underneath his belt. But an option that could be a potential second-round guy. I know Gil mentioned he was a little bit lower on him than others, which could tell you that NFL teams might also be a little bit lower than others. I mean, it, it means something when these guys have been in those seats, and so likely there are going to be other NFL teams that agree with them, and, and not that that will directly reflect where they get drafted, but it's still a factor we should consider as far as who might be available later in the draft. And speaking of later in the draft, I really appreciated Mark Dominic's perspective on how the undrafted rookie free agent market might play out. He was asked, I mean, the question was specifically about, I think the New York Giants have like four seventh round picks. And the former Bucks general manager said this is kind of a year when he wouldn't necessarily want to have seventh round picks. That He'd kind of rather trade those away and be able to be a little bit more coordinated in the undrafted market. I'd rather have left seventh rounders or none this year. Uh, just because I'd rather be able to team up with my team and, you know, pair a college scout with the coach, position coach, and have them already have their tiers ranked out of what's left on the board. And as they fall out, you can quickly text and say, okay, this guy's out. Uh, you can adjust your, your package and the amount of money you can offer to this. Because I think that's going to be the hardest thing is you've got to still work within the cap after the draft. And you might have 10 guys do deals and you're like, whoa, wait a second, we just overspent by... $12,000. How, how do we handle that? So I think you're going to have to be a lot more organized. I mean, we try to be as organized as possible, but I think it's going to be harder to be as that organized when you're still thinking about pick number 255 or, you know, the fourth pick in the seventh, to 24th, whichever, you know, all their other picks they have. Uh, they're going to have to, I think what you'll have to do there for Gettleman is probably pick out two or three guys you love and just go full bull for them and realize you're not going to probably get the seven or eight guys you love because you just can't have the, the coverage that, that I think some clubs will have by the, be able to communicate by not having to think about what you're going to pick. It's a really good point by Dominic there that I, I don't think I would have thought of, but the idea that if you don't have any seventh-round picks, you can get a head start on the undrafted rookie free agent market, and already having such little information about a lot of these prospects outside of their film this year, the seventh round is going to be even more of a crapshoot. So you look at the Bears with two seventh-round picks right now, number 226 and number 233, you wonder if... Either A, Ryan Pace is going to have late-round prospects in mind that he would rather draft with those seventh-round picks and make sure he gets them, or if those could be even more likely trade fodder in terms of maybe you move up in the fifth round from 163 to 155 and give up a seventh-round pick in the process and sort of feel like, well, you know, without that seventh-round pick, we can focus more on undrafted free agents and stay a little bit more organized in that regard. Because the Bears have two sixth-round picks 
as well, one coming in from the Eagles in that Jordan Howard trade. So they're not short on late round flyer opportunities. You know, if there's a high risk prospect that they just would love to take a chance on, they have a few different chances even before the seventh round to be able to stake their claim on a guy that it's a low it's a low investment with a sixth or seventh round pick, but a potential high reward that you can swing for the fences and understand that more likely than not, the pick is not going to work out. So the Bears don't need four picks between 196 and 233 necessarily. It would not surprise me at all to see them make a trade like that. And I think they've had all the time in the world to go through different scenarios like this. And I imagine this idea that Mark Dominic was talking about, he's probably had that conversation with his fellow general managers across the league and gets a sense that that is a strategy that some teams are going to be looking at. Other teams may try and take advantage of that strategy. If you think, well, the Giants are trying to trade all their seventh round picks, we'll take them. That's another guaranteed slot for a draft pick. Like Mark said, you have to follow the guaranteed money for undrafted rookie free agents. And you can only, you know, there's a limit on how much you can pay players to entice them to come to your team. So if there's a bunch of those guys that you want, drafting them in the seventh round guarantees that they join your franchise and that you don't have to bid or compete for them from elsewhere, you know, around the league. So if you're Ryan Pace or another savvy GM that says, wow, these teams are trying to dump their seventh round picks for nothing, I'll take them. I'll draft my guys and I'll trust that my organization is organized enough that we'll handle the undrafted free agency as as best we can. But in the meantime, we'll absorb all those other seventh round picks, draft some guys that we really wanted in undrafted free agency anyway, and make sure that we actually get the guys we want rather than trusting it to a little bit more of an open market. So I hope you learned something from hearing from Mark Dominic and Gil Brandt on the podcast today. I know I sure did. And anytime we get the chance to pick the brains a little bit of some former NFL executives, I mean, they were in the league for a reason and, uh, their wisdom is much appreciated. If you did learn something, I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Later on, before we get to the draft, I believe we will also be hearing from Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay on conference calls in the coming days and weeks. So if they have anything uh, notable or Bears-specific to add, I definitely will include that on the podcast. It looks like Mel Kuyper's conference call is on Wednesday, so we could include that on Thursday's podcast. And it's Daniel Jeremiah, not Todd McShay, that has a conference call on Thursday that we can put on Friday's podcast. So plenty more NFL draft talk coming your way. We'll keep it as Bears focused as we can with those guys. We're not just going to talk about Tua Tungavailoa and the quarterback prospects. You're here to listen to some Chicago Bears news and analysis, and you're here more than anything to bear down.